Hey, everybody. How's it going? Is the show live? Yes, we are live. How's it going? Stephen Ignoramus here. Welcome to Call Me Ignorant, episode number 15, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, May 31st, 2019. So pleased you can be with us. Call Me Ignorant is a live conversation show, whether with an interesting content creator, an expert in a field, a controversial figure, or with a fellow human being trying to spread a message, Call Me Ignorant will try to solve the problems of the world conversationally speaking. We are streaming right now to YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, Mixer, DLive, and Picarto. If you can't catch the show live, you can find it after the fact on the above-mentioned platforms, also on BitChute and FreedomScoop.com. Call Me Ignorant is also available in podcast format on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. You can find me on Twitter at IgnoramusSteve. Send me an email at StephenIgnoramus at gmail.com. Topic ideas, questions, and potential guests for the show are much appreciated. My guest on this program today is Mackenzie, also known as Kenzie Puff. She is a cosplayer, a liberty activist, and a lover of books. You can find her on Twitter at underscore Kenzie Puff and at Facebook.com slash Kenzie Puff Cosplay, both of which are linked in the show notes. I'm very excited to talk to her today and to learn about a couple things that I that are completely new to me. How's it going today, Mackenzie? It's going great. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm really excited for this because, uh, you know, it says you're a cosplayer on here. And uh, usually I do some uh, research into whatever subject we're going to talk about. But I did none for that for a reason because I want to learn about it from the ground up from you. So I don't know. I'm pretty excited. But uh, before we talk about that, why don't you tell some people about, you know, your background, where you're from, where you live and stuff like that? Yeah, sure. So I live in the Midwest. So the flyover states, as people affectionately call them. Um, that's where I grew up. I, I've left multiple times. I've been to Poland. I've traveled to DC and stuff with liberty activism and all around my state in the Midwest and other states too. But this is where I'm located and it's where I started getting into all of my hobbies too, politics, cosplay, all of that. And I started exploring all of that around the same time, which is a really weird combination, which is why it kind of throws people off on my Twitter when yeah. I talk about all of those things instead of just kind of being a political, you know, talking head or something <laughs> like that. So That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my my Twitter is kind of where things have taken off unexpectedly. I actually I have business cards for my cosplay. But I don't even put my Twitter on there because of the political sentiments that are on my Twitter that people might not be so friendly to. So I never expected that to take off as much as it has, I should say. It's not like I have a huge following, but it's more than I ever expected to because I just tweet what I think and mm -hmm. people just responded to it. So that's kind of where things have taken off and how I really started exploring libertarianism was via the internet basically and meeting like-minded people and getting involved with young americans for liberty which started out of students for ron paul was how i got springboarded into libertarianism uh, in the first place and that's where i started traveling around the midwest and really start talking to people about these kinds of ideas so i've just kind of expanded that through my social media in these past few years cool um wh why did you go to poland um, it was actually for a mission trip through my church in like eighth grade. It's the only, so far, the only country that I've been to outside of the United States, which seems very random. Most people go to like Italy or, you know, some, some place more exotic, I guess, but it's absolutely beautiful. Cool. Uh, I actually, my brother's actually going back this summer because we like it so much. So 
Sweet. Uh, so you were raised uh, Christian? Yeah. Okay. So I, neither of my parents grew up quote unquote religious. They kind of would go to church with their friends when their friends went on holidays and stuff like that. Um, and then when I was born, my parents decided that they didn't want me to go to public school and that they wanted to look into private schooling. So they found out that if with Lutheranism, at least what we are, if a lot of churches, if you want your kids to go to the school, you have to attend the church. Mm. So they had to get confirmed as adults and basically dive into Christianity that way, which most people grow up in it. So it was so weird for them. And um, that's just, we just happened, they happened to like a Lutheran school and it kind of all just snowballed from there. So cool. my brother and I are cool. still Lutheran, actually. My brother's becoming a Lutheran pastor. So wow. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not something that I talk about a huge amount on my Twitter. Um, but when brought up, obviously, I'm, I'm not trying to talk about it. I actually majored in religion in college. So <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm a Christian, too. Uh, so do you uh, do you go to church now or do you are, you are you looking for a church or where's your home base there? Right now, I have a church that my family, my family switched churches when I was in about fourth grade um, to a more contemporary kind of church because they liked that because they weren't used to staunch traditionalism. But my brother, <laughs> since he went off to college and is becoming a pastor, has really been reconnecting with more traditional services. So um, my fiance and I are just kind of church shopping right now, trying to find one that we both like. Um, so we're kind of transitioning into finding a new church. Yeah. Um, not necessarily because we don't like it, but it needs to be something that we both can enjoy basically and connect with. So, yeah, I was, ra- I was trying to blend things together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, the traditional modern thing versus modern thing is weird. Cause they got these yeah. like rock and roll churches. That's what I was raised in. Like, uh, that's, you know, they got that's the- how my church is now. <laughs> so yeah that's funny yeah that's cool so um yeah i mean i don't think i've seen like you said i don't think you you bring that up that much on your twitter but you definitely bring up like liberty and stuff like that and it you know and when i announced you earlier it said that you know your your lover of books bookworm and stuff like that what what did you read when you were a kid that kind of shaped that you know we're going to get into books about liberty later but um what was your favorite stuff when you were a kid this is so so i was very into fantasy stuff uh anything sci-fi fantasy um, but the first books, I, I had a really great combined seventh and eighth grade teacher because my school was so small. Uh, and she was an English teacher and she really just kind of instilled just a love for reading and writing. And I was always writing creative stories. I did more creative writing kind of things. And my teachers loved it. And then I got further into school and found out you don't really get to do creative writing. It's more here's an essay, write it, which I hate. I can do it and I'm apt at it and I excel at it, but I hate it because it's just not the kind of writing that I enjoy. It's just not fun to me to write essays. So (laughs) I was really into reading fantasy and sci-fi. And I, the first author I really remember loving is Gary Paulson who writes these survival kind of books. He has a book hatchet. Yeah. Yeah. I've read hatchet. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I just, that I would, it was just a, straight up book about survival and this kid just trying to make it in the wilderness. And I was like, yes, this is like the kind of stuff that I like. So I really like fantasy, but pretty much any kind of adventure fiction, stuff like that. And that's really how my movie taste is too. Mm. Um, Just kind of growing from that. And then 
I went into college and you have to read a lot, things that you don't want to read. <laughs> so I kind of fell off of reading because when you're forced to read for so long, it just becomes not enjoyable. And sadly, I think school does that for a lot of people. Good point. Yeah. Um, getting into like pretty much eight through high school and then into college, I just fell out of reading on a regular basis, which is something that I love to do. And I have way too many books. I don't, I'm excited to finally move into a big house so I can have a room where I just put all my books and they're not stuffed in boxes in my basement. I have to go looking through them if I want to reread things. So um, yeah, I was really into the Aragon series with dragons and stuff like that. And I was always into more fantasy sci-fi things, even though I was never a comic person per se. Um, and I really didn't get into Japanese anime and stuff until I met my fiance the last year of high school and just slowly started watching anime. So it's it's been a really a development probably over the past five or six years that I've got into that stuff again and more creative things like that. Sweet. Yeah. What's your uh what's your favorite movie you've seen in the last couple of years? Um honestly the one of my favorite movies that I've seen in the past few years, and this is so not it's a sci-fi movie. It's arrival. Um it's about where the aliens kind of arrive at Earth and they have to figure out what languages they're speaking. Yeah, that was good. Came. Yeah, that was a good one. I just sat in the movie theater. I am not an emotional movie person, and I don't know what happened, but that movie just hit me, and I was just <laughs> sobbing in the movie theater. And my fiance knows this, and he's looking at me like, "Are you okay? What is? Why are you crying? I don't know." And I just rewatched it actually a few weeks ago, and it's just I don't know. I'm really into sci-fi and aliens and all that stuff, obviously because of the X Files and stuff like that. But it was just such like. Uh, it just made you think about like the human condition and how vulnerable we actually are and what would realistically happen mm. if we were visited and everyone either you usually think it's going to be a giant war and everyone dies or you know they're just here to help but that was i think it was one of the most realistic portrayals of that and then mm. you had the deeper stuff with you know what would you do if you could see into the future in the past and all that mm. kind of stuff yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, it was just that was probably one of my favorite movies in the past few years. And I really don't watch movies a lot. And I have a friend who lives in Ohio who has a local, really small movie theater that he lives in a small town that just lets him come watch movies. So he keeps like a book of movies, is very serious about it, and he'll recommend like, oh, this is really good. So I kind of go off of his advice because I really don't unless it's a uh, something I've been following for a really long time, like the Marvel movies or something like that, I don't go to the movie theater that often unless I'm like, yes. And I really want to see something like Godzilla that's coming out yeah. or something like that. You excited so, for that? Sweet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cool. I'm actually uh, a friend and I pre-ordered tickets, which I never do. And um, we're actually going to see it tonight. So cool. Should be good. <laughs> I see. I see you have a, a Fox Mulder quote on your Twitter. Are you yes. a, a X-Files yes. fan. I, yeah, huge. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it came out the year I was born. <laughs> So I find people just kind of thinking at the hipster thing, like, yeah, sure. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm really into aliens and all that. <laughs> like, I really like it. I just find it interesting. I'm not like a, well, I say I'm not a weird conspiracy theorist, but I like all that kind of stuff too. But just anything that's kind of questioning, looking back, it's not really surprising that I stumbled upon libertarianism and really got into it because I've always been someone who's just exploring different ideas and 
is okay with questioning the way things are and how things could be and what we might discover. So looking back at my interests, it's really not surprising that that's kind of what I've latched onto as a political philosophy. Um, so people look at it and they think, well, that doesn't tie together at all, but I think it does pretty nicely. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, I don't know. It's really cool to hear how people arrived at their point of view and like what their story was and stuff. Cause you know, um, I don't know. I, that's the circles I mostly run in are libertarian, you know, anarchist freedom oriented people. And it's always like a different route, but you know, I don't know. That's cool to hear. <laughs> um, yeah. I like hearing different people because it seems like everyone I talk to, it's Ron Paul. And for yeah. me, it, it really wasn't. So I say that to people and they say, well, what do you mean? That's how everybody, I'm like, no, you don't understand. Everybody's got their different little thing and how they discovered things. So. Yeah. Yes. And for me, you know, I didn't follow politics at all until two or three years ago. So I was way after Ron Paul, I, I guess in terms yeah. of years, but um, yeah, it was just through the internet and YouTube and stuff like that. And I still don't know if I'm actually a libertarian, but you know, I'm definitely, those are the people I get along with the best. So. I'll keep yeah. talking to you guys. <laughs> so it, it says on your uh, your Facebook uh, page, I, I couldn't actually find your blog, but it said that you uh, you can be often found blogging. Where can people find your uh, written work? And uh, I don't know, how'd you start doing that? And, you know, yeah, start blogging? I, I did have a blog. I actually ended up taking it down. Um, I had a blog, just a small like WordPress blog in college where I would just put up thoughts that I had and little creative writings and poetry and just stuff like that. And I ended up taking it down because I was kind of still exploring my philosophy. And it's not that I didn't want to have my old stuff out there because it certainly is. I'm, I have YouTube videos that are years old that I'm not going to take down because I think it's interesting to see where people come from and yeah, kind of arrive where they are. For sure. But I don't really do creative writing or anything like that. So I kind of took that down. So that's what all that was. But I've considered starting it back up again because with video creation, I on my YouTube channel, it's Mac and Liberty. Uh, I found that uh, I'm really lazy when it comes to making videos. <laughs> so... I've been doing a lot of voiceover stuff and then I thought, well, if I restart a blog and I can just sit down and write as soon as I think of something and parse it out written, <laughs> maybe I'll be more likely to put out more content. So cool. it's something I may start back up, but right now, not so much. Gotcha. All right. Sweet. Yeah. So if you, I don't know, you can definitely tweet that at me or let me know where the blog is and whenever it comes yeah. up and I'll, you know, check it out. Um, so we kind of mentioned earlier that, you know, the Liberty movement, like how, so you got that, you know, you, you said you didn't get through it through Ron, Ron Paul, but it says that you're a Liberty activist. Uh, what does that mean to you? And, you know, some people put that on their profile and they don't do anything out in the community or online, but what does that mean to you and how do you get involved in Liberty activism? Yeah. So to me, I, so my journey kind of started in 2015 when I was in college and someone that I knew who attended a local college from middle school. We just happened to still be Facebook friends. It was one of those, you've never really deleted them. And she reached out to me and she told me about Young Americans for Liberty. And I said, you know, I'm not into politics. I don't talk about that kind of stuff. It's divisive. What if people get mad at me? <laughs> that was literally my attitude. I was very centrist, not really researching stuff, but I didn't really have strong opinions one way or the other. So we went out for coffee. She convinced me and she was a good salesman. Mm. <laughs> and we sat down and we talked for about an hour and a half. And I looked at her and I said, I'm a religion major. What 
could I possibly contribute to whatever group you're telling me about? And she said, we need, we don't just need poli sci majors. We need people from different fields because the reality is, and I've learned this the more I get into this, not everyone is a political talking head or shouldn't be, uh, which is something I'm really into promoting this kind of stuff through culture Mm. because that's how everyone else promotes their ideas, at least on the left. And that's why they're so, that's one reason why the left is so vastly successful in movies, everything Mm. is just, so uh, she convinced me, even though I was a religion major and my religion teachers didn't like it because the college that I went to was kind of more left uh, Presbyterian, the more left um, sect of Presbyterianism. Okay. (laughs) To give you an idea, my my advisor for my religion classes had a Bernie sticker probably about this big on the front of his desk um, as soon as Bernie announced in 2016. So uh, it was it was kind of an uphill battle with them. And um, I went to a private college. So when I started getting involved, obviously, I was chapter president of my chapter, Young Americans for Liberty. Oh, cool. Nice. And I just started talking to people where they were at, which is something I kind of talk about a lot. Um, Libertarians tend to scare people. (laughs) We just kind of go straight into taxation as you know, we don't need roads, fine, that kind of stuff. And something I learned through just going to campuses. um, So eventually I was chapter president. We probably had like 15 people in our chapter just doing like free speech ball events where people could write wherever they want and just little stuff like that. And I applied to be a state chair, which means you're in charge of your whole state. You travel to colleges around your state. And I did that probably for about five months. And I realized that I absolutely did not like that. (laughs) I liked what I was doing, but I'm not an organized enough person to, um, it just felt so political and top down hierarchy to me. And I didn't, that's something I really like. That's why I never liked politics in the first place. Mm. So it's definitely a great jumping off point, And I'd recommend to anybody still in college to get involved with either young Americans for Liberty, students for Liberty, something like that. Cause it really is a perfect place to just meet other people. They have like national conferences every year. And that's, I said, I traveled in DC. That's what that sort of thing was for, for trainings and stuff like that. And activism to me is talking to other people. So that's why currently I don't have active. I used to have activists in the top of my Twitter profile, but I took it off because I don't really go travel to colleges anymore Mm. i'm really just kind of like i make youtube videos and stuff like that and i do have friends who still do that and sometimes i join them and stuff Um, but i for a long while i was doing video blogs every time i went to a college Mm. um which are actually still on my youtube channel um just because it was something fun i wanted to document it so that's actually originally why i started my youtube channel because i thought activism would be a really fun thing to vlog and then I realized it's really hard to be an effective activist and blog at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it just kind of springboarded from there. And I see, I left Young Americans for Liberty in early 2016, which was, of course, election season. So yeah. that's when I really, 2016 was the first election where I actually really closely started paying attention. I 
could have voted in the 2012 election um, when I was a freshman in college, but I didn't because I thought it's useless and both of the people running creeped me out. Mm. So gotcha. <laughs> that was literally just, that was my only reasoning. I was felt icky to me. I didn't just the really basic person reasons why people say that they don't like politics. Cause I hadn't looked into it. I didn't understand why it was important in the first place. And I grew up being told that there's three things you don't talk about politics, religion, and family feuds. Mm. And I was a religion major and my brother's becoming a pastor and I'm really heavily involved in politics now. <laughs> so yeah. my parents' brains are exploding, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I was told the same thing, but it's definitely implied. And I'm just like, now yeah. I'm like, how, how does anyone get anything done? <laughs> if you can't, can't talk about right. those three things. Well, and it really is. That's uh, like you said, it's not really, it's kind of implied. Yeah. Even if, Someone doesn't actually tell you that, oh, stay away from that kind of stuff. But the more you get into and start researching this, even if you're not a voter and you don't, you're not really into actually campaigning for people, politics and is super implied in culture. You cannot escape it. And it's really infuriating if you're liberty news and you're like, oh my God, I know what you're doing. This mm. is very annoying. How do people watch this? Um, but it, it's kind of scary that we t literally tell people don't talk about basically the three most important things. If you have a family feud, you should probably talk about it. It's a family issue. You need to get that resolved. Politics, whether you like it or not, the ideas at least directly involved your life. Cause obviously as a libertarian, I'd like everyone just to be an individual, mm. but you can still make the argument. It's, it's going to affect your life, whether you like it or not. And religion kind of speaks for itself even if it's a personal journey it's going to deeply affect you usually whether you're religious or not so mm. the fact that we kind of imply or straight up tell people not to talk about these things which i don't think is necessarily a nefarious thing i think it's no. just something that as a culture we've been told you don't do which we could get conspiratorial and say that's on purpose but yeah because um, i think it's good when people talk about quote-unquote deeper topics or just able to sit down like we are right now or you know at a coffee shop you see some reading someone reading a political book just walk up to them and say hey what's 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 going on what's mm -hmm. that about so yeah. i think we should be able to do that as a society i think it's it would be a really good thing if people could start just having normal conversations with people mm -hmm. about quote-unquote serious things again yeah it's it's interesting because i mean like politics I mean, every political, you know, every government has has one thing in common. It's it's like the the people that are in control of life and death and resources. I mean, and you know, you want libertarians, anarchists want to want them to have as, as little power as possible, but still, it's they have the monopoly on force. So it's like, you know, it, like you said, it's the these are the most important issues, and I think it's a comfort thing. Like you said, it's not a nefarious thing. It's just like people want to be comfortable. They don't want a big fight all the time. They want to be able to live in peace. And I get that, but. There's some serious shit going on. There's some serious issues. So. Well, you get that, but then you start thinking about how it affects your family mm. or in the future. So I get people talk about all the time. They're like, why do you talk about men so much and men's issues? I'm like, well, I have a father, a brother, a nephew, mm. and I'm marrying a man. So you can say, well, why do you care about that stuff? It doesn't affect you. But the bottom line is a lot of stuff that we just push off and say, oh, that doesn't affect me. So I'm not going to look into it. I don't care. It directly affects our lives. So 
that's why even if people aren't straight up libertarians or even conservatarians, I have really good friends that uh, lean left, quote unquote, I'm working on them, but uh, <laughs> we, we can have normal conversations about these kinds of things and it can happen. And I think we're at a place, especially right now, where people just say, nope, it can't happen. You can't talk to people, nothing. And we're not going to get anywhere if that can, is the road we're going to continue to go down. And that's a problem for me. So yeah. that's why I talk about the things that I do. And that's why, even though I didn't expect, I'm kind of glad that I have a little bit, because to me, it's a little bit of a following on Twitter, because I am at least trying to show people that you don't have to be so angry all the time. <laughs> There's things that I, you know, I'm sassy about on Twitter and stuff like that. But the bottom line is I'm doing it because I care and because I want to Im help improve other people's lives, not just my own, which is why when people call libertarianism selfish, I kind of just laugh because it's the most unselfish philosophy you could possibly have because you're telling everyone that they should be able to run their own lives. And I don't see anything selfish about that personally. So. Yeah. So yeah, speaking of, I don't know, speaking of talking and, and, and social, social media and stuff, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because I saw some posts from you about a month ago, uh, criticizing Facebook for, you know, banning so-called right-wing extremists, if you want to say that. And Alex Jones, Milo Yiannopoulos, Laura Loomer, Paul Joseph Watson, and, uh, weirdly Louis Farrakhan, which was kind of the thing that, yeah. The right-wing extremist. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even yeah. know. Like, I don't, so to me, the extremist is more bothersome than, uh, than right-wing because, you right. can kind of measure that a little bit more, but an extremist is just, you know, if the, you know, the, if the discourse gets narrow enough, everyone's an extremist, but, um, you know, you, you had some posts kind of criticizing that. So can you kind of expand on your criticisms and say what's so bothersome about that and for anyone out there? Yeah. So I, I haven't been purged yet. <laughs> um, a year or so ago, actually Twitter did kind of a bot purge. And this is probably when I had like 2,000, around 2,000 followers. And I logged in one day and my Twitter account had been taken down. Wow. And I thought, hmm, that's weird. What did I say? Because I get banned all the time on Facebook. Just Really? Ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Actually, actually, some of my friends have had to, well, now Zuckerberg's going to hear me, but reroute their, like, basically, if you clear your cookies and use uh, something that changes your IP, you can make a Facebook and they won't notice you. Mm. Um, <laughs> but um, that's how you get around it. Yeah, a few. Uh, so last year, I, I basically challenged the, the Twitter ban and said, hey, I'm a, like, do you need my license? I'm a real person. That's, I'm not a bot. I have 2,000 something followers. I did it. What? Oh. I, I wasn't even tweeting about men's issues or anything at that point. I was just, just it was basic libertarianism stuff still at that point. So I, it was so weird. And it wasn't. They took my whole account down. It wasn't like, here's the offensive tweet, whatever. Whoa. So, um, yeah. So they gave me my account back. So that's why with all this stuff happening, I'm kind of worried. I'm like, oh, they've already taken down my account accidentally once. And I wasn't really saying anything at that point that Twitter would disagree with. And now I am. Um, and then a few weeks ago, I posted a SpongeBob meme about feminism. It was SpongeBob. And it immediately got picked up on my Mac uh, and Liberty Facebook page. And they took my page, which is fine because I have fake accounts that are admins on it anyway, which they don't know about. All right. But, well, they do now. But um, <laughs> I said, SpongeBob? Wow. What it, it said, 
well, the funny thing was, it was SpongeBob cross-eyed looking at books, and one book said men are trash, and then it said uh, um, something about feminism, thinking whatever. So it was like a pro. You could technically view it as like pro-feminist thing if you wanted, because men are trash, right? Like whatever. If you wanted to view it that way, obviously, I don't think that. But I said, "It's a SpongeBob meme, really." Out of all the posts, because I do political memes all the time on my page that I've seen other people get taken down for a SpongeBob meme. It was bizarre, just downright wild. So I I post about that Alex Jones and Miley Nopolis and all those people getting taken down. Um, a lot of libertarians are split on this because yeah, it's a big debate. Private yeah. property. It's their private property, whatever. Um, I don't think people have a right to social media. Mm-hmm. Just say that right there. Cause I see some conservatives saying that I'm like, guys, you need to calm down. Let's, let's remember what a right is. That's, that's not technically a right, but I understand where they're from. It's very frustrating, especially when you can tell the lean in the people they're banning. Besides Lewis, I don't know how he got picked up in right wing, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people do make the argument, which I tend to kind of agree with. It's something I'm kind of forming my opinion on, mm-hmm. to be fair. But you could definitely view, especially after the Congress meetings with Mark Zuckerberg and with Jack Dorsey of Twitter, that these platforms are their technically private companies, but they could be viewed as publishers and you can't be both. You can't be a publisher and say, no, we are doing this. And then also say, we're a private company. Every time you do something that people don't like, which Mm -hmm. is right now what they're doing, they're, they're basically hiding behind the private company. They're clearly influencing elections, which supposedly they don't like because they think that's how Trump won. Um, but I on Joe Rogan did a podcast with um, Tim Cast, um, yeah, Tim Pool and Jack yeah, Dorsey and their yes. lawyer, yeah, yes. Yeah. And on that, Tim pointed out that they are directly influencing elections, and it's not just in the U.S. They're doing it in India too. At least Twitter was, and they were actively taking down "quote unquote" offensive accounts. So my theory is that this is all all of this rallying up that we're seeing of social media started happening in 2016 when it became evident that Trump won the election. And I'm not going to say that social media didn't help because I think basically it was another social media revolution where people were waking up and they're like, listen, I don't know if you like the guy or not, but he's not like the other people. So we're going to pick him. Mm. So regardless of opinions on that. Um, social media helped a lot. And I think um, these big companies that, let's be honest, tend to lean left, which Jack Dorsey's just straight up admitted that, yep, we have we have bias just like everyone else, which mm. is fair. Yeah. Um, they This is all pushback because of the election, in my opinion. And the closer we get to 2020, the more this is ramping up. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Mm. <laughs> So I'm not really sure how to solve it. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of people say, we'll just have the government come and have them tell them that they can't do that. As a libertarian, I'm like, that's scary. I want to do that, guys. That's yeah. like a good idea. But I think an argument could be made that if they are treated like publishers, which in my opinion, in a lot of other people's opinion, that is what they are. It would be an argument to where the government really wouldn't have to step in. They would just be enforcing things that are already in 
um, which is that you treat publishers differently than you would treat a private company because mm. they are arguably doing two different things and trying yeah. to claim that they're both so that they can just have the maximum basically benefit to themselves because that's ultimately what this is about. It's pushing what they believe, whether you think that's against what you do or not. Yeah. And the bad thing is it's going to affect eventually, as you pointed out earlier, the Overton window is shifting a lot. So all these people that are right now, when Alex Jones got banned, everyone laughed, even some libertarians, and said, who cares? You know, he's just a crit. It's just Infowars. It's not a big deal. But me, I'm looking at all these things said, we're just slippery slope and weren't going to happen over the years that have just been continuing to happen. And you said they weren't going to happen. And now Alex Jones is banned and you're telling me, no, don't, don't worry. They're not going to ban anyone else or just take them off the internet, which is essentially what they did. Yeah. It'll be fine. Um, it's going to start happening to people that aren't even quote unquote right wing. They'll try to say that they're right wing, of course, because that's synonymous with extremists now, I guess. I don't know. Um, but in, in my opinion, I, I don't really know what the solution is, but I, I think that just saying they're private companies, it doesn't matter is a cop out, which is a position that in the last year or so I've come into, it's a new position of mine. Um, because something's got to change. In my opinion, the internet is basically the last frontier. And the moment we all make fun of anonymous accounts, those egg accounts, fake, whatever, whatever. But I think the moment that anonymity is taken out of the internet, because that's really what they're trying to do. And it's mm. what they've been trying to do in Europe with all the laws that they're passing, copyright laws, things like that, where police could literally show up to your door if you tweet something. Yeah. Which should horrify anyone. That's and so it's gross. Fun. Yeah. It might be fun to be like, ha ha, Europeans, like, we beat you, you kicked you out of our country, UK, Britain. Yeah. But then you realize if that's what they're, it's going to come here. That's yeah. just the bottom line. It's it's fun to make fun of other countries. Kind of like, oh, well, yeah, it's serious, but it would never happen in America. We have and stuff. I'm like, hey, guys, we already have the Patriot Act. <laughs> so I don't really know what you're talking about as far as rights go and that the government and the constitution will protect us. Cause I'm, I'm not really sure they will. I think they might just go along. With <laughs> so yeah, I think it's something that it, the general, and the problem is you talk about people, you talk to people about these things and they say, well, either what I just said, which is, Oh, it'll never happen. here. Fine. This is America. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, also socialism would never happen here. And look at how well socialism's polling. And all these quote unquote, you know, CNN, Washington Post polls with millennials. Like, yeah. we're all getting ready to have kids, guys. What's going to happen yeah, when 20 years, raise, 15 you years? Know? Yeah, yeah, for it's sure. It's easy to say now, don't worry about it. It's fine. But I think these are serious questions that we need to be looking at. And I think that's a mistake that a lot, a lot of libertarians make is just using just basic arguments. And a lot of people do care about this stuff. But you talk to a libertarian about it and a libertarian. private property, who cares? Build your own internet. What? What, what do you mean build I mean, your own internet? You, you can. Understand? It's very hard. I mean, you, you can try. Yeah, you need millions until, and millions of dollars. Right. And yeah. it, it's a, that's a conversation I actually have with my fiance. He's in IT. And I said, this is when I was still had the position, the private companies, it's fine. 
we were one wild. They just build their own internet. And he just looked at me, just like his brain was exploding and said, do you understand what that would take? The line, every, the lines you would have to build by, you, first, he's like, first of all, you wouldn't have to be able to build the infrastructure by yourself. You would yeah. have to have just vast amounts of, you basically have to have a second just to do it. Hmm. So just kind of learning the history of that kind of makes you scared because you're like, well, you really can't do something like that. And now it's to the point where the problem is I didn't really start getting concerned when social people were getting taken off of social media. But when banks like Chase Bank. Yeah, that is so draconian. Yeah, it's insane. I literally have goosebumps right now because that freaks me out because you know, we joke, oh, Alex Jones got taken off social media. He's been depersoned. You want to talk about depersoned? People can't take Ubers in some cities because they're refusing to do so. They can't bank at banks because banks are saying no. And really what this social media thing ultimately is and who's actually pushing a lot of it is uh, MasterCard's been heavily involved, especially since they partner with PayPal in telling people, if you don't kick this person off, we are not going to allow you to use our payment processors. Mm. So really what we need to start looking at is why payment processors are doing this. Because a lot of the times when a, someone's website is forced to taken down or someone's taken off social media or PayPal or something like that, it's actually the payment processors putting pressure on the companies. So a lot of the time it's not even the companies. It's just they have their hands tied behind their back because that's how they run their online business and the bank saying listen if you don't kick this person off gab happened with gab too then who's supposedly the new free speech platform which we got in a i got in a twitter fight with the official gab account over this but oh really yeah they're supposedly a free speech platform but a politician that people were calling a nazi was on there and people um they told them listen if you don't take them off we're shutting down your your site because mm. that's how you get your site and they said okay we're good. Uh, we'll, I didn't know we'll that. So ultimately, that's what's going to happen. So it's really easy for libertarians to say, just start a new website, which I fully support, by the way. I have no problem with people starting other websites and tons of people use Discord and stuff like that yeah. instead of social media and, and things like that. I have no problem with people doing that. But what they're going to run into that I don't think a lot enough people are looking into and Lauren Chen, Roaming Millennial, actually did a really good video just kind of comprehensively covering the payment processor Facebook issue, if anybody wants to check that out. Um, they're going to start to run into the payment processor thing. The people behind the websites who actually let them run are the ones that are putting pressure on these companies to kick people off, gotcha. which I think I think we really kind of saw with Alex Jones. because. When he got kicked off, Twitter was the last platform to kick him off, I believe. Mm. Um, so he was still on Twitter, and then I, I forget. But um, yeah, with with Alex Jones, it was kind of five or six platforms in the yeah, same week, all and, at once. It yeah. was YouTube, YouTube, Spotify. Facebook, Spotify. Yeah. Apple, they took him off the Apple Store, and yeah, I yeah. think why they did that is because they started to kick him off social media platforms, and people said, "Fine, I'll download the Infowars app." Yeah, I did. Thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna download the Infowars app." Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, Alex Jones might be the one that's most okay. It's the ones that are kind of smaller yeah. scale. Like I know that, like Laura Loomer, she can't bank. Um, yeah. There's this dude, this veteran Joe Biggs, can't bank. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think it's through Chase or something like that. Um, yep, Gavin yeah. McGinnis. Yeah, actually, I don't know. So there's a documentary coming out on what's happening to him. Yeah, but he he's been like holed up in his house be, with his kids and his wife because his family is getting death threats and they can't bank anywhere. They can, it's horrifying. Even if you don't agree with, I think he's funny. Think oh he's my god, a- Gavin McInnes! Like I was just gonna say, everyone out there, yeah. like regardless of political leaning, if you want to yeah. subscribe to the funniest podcast, oh, yeah. get off my lawn is hysterical. It's like, so he's yeah. So funny. His voices, and, like his stories, it's amazing. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. he's such a funny guy, but I don't think it's kind of like the thing that we talked about. Why we don't talk about politics, religion, and family because people think, well, that doesn't affect me. It's fine. It's rude to talk about it. It's coming. I don't care if people think I'm crazy or not. It's coming whether it's coming. you like it or not. Yeah, I yeah. hate to be the guy standing with the sign that says the end is near, but we something. have to do something. Something's near, or at least. Or at least talk about it. I don't know if the end's near, but something's near, and I don't like it, whatever it is, because I don't like that people can't bank because of their political views. That's horrifying. And I I don't even know if you know this, but I have been doxxed. Really? And yes, I started my Liberty page. I had maybe 300 likes, and I was getting all these comments from a fake Facebook page called Communist Educators for a Politician. And they were commenting on my page, so I thought, eh, I'll just ban them from my page. Well, they didn't like that. I tried to tell them, listen, it's my Facebook page. I can do what I want. It's not anti-libertarian. Ban you. Freedom of association, buddy. Mm. They made another Facebook page, and they commented my address all over my post. And they said, Antifa's watching you because people should know where fascists sleep. These motherfuckers. Oh, my yeah. God. So that was, I had, around the time, I had maybe 3,000 followers on Twitter. My Facebook page, which is now over 3,000 likes, was maybe a couple hundred. I had just started posting on it again, like, maybe I should try to beef up my Facebook page and post there again. And I looked at my dad and I said, hey, um, yeah, I had, I had to tell him because it's – Yeah, it's like know, yeah, I, it's straight up safety at that point. That's, yeah. It's a safety issue. Yeah, yeah. So – Hey, Mackenzie, you're breaking up pretty bad. Uh, hang on one second. Uh, you still there? Uh, hang tight for one second, folks. Mackenzie's breaking up pretty bad. It's very ironic that that happened when we were talking about doxing. <laughs> Hope everyone's doing all right out there. I'm going to reload this for just one second. Hang tight. So, Mackenzie, you there? I'm going to leave this call and come back, and I might answer some questions from the chat while this goes down. Are you there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, you're you were, back. Yeah. You, you, were, you, you left. You were roboting. Oh, I yeah. So are, yeah, so are you. Yeah, it's fine. But we're back up now. Let me load up the video. We're still on the air, but yeah, we're good. Great. So um, you're okay. just talking about telling your dad, and uh, then you cut yeah. out for a second. Yeah. So um, we found out who it was. Mm. Basically, it was some middle-aged guy in Michigan that I don't know why, how he even found my page or whatever, but the thing is it was communist educators for X person Mm. and it was him. So he was running a Facebook page. And if you find him on Facebook, because I was in young Americans for Liberty. So I know how to Facebook creep. I found him on Facebook and he did, he did like a lot of communist and Antifa pages on his personal. So basically this guy, this 40 year old, something year old man, found this 20-something-year-old, barely 20-something-year-old girl's 
Liberty page with a few hundred likes, didn't like a post, and just decided that I'm going to threaten this person. So he got a phone call. We'll just put it that way yeah. because we know people. And um, he was told that there was going to be an investigation if he didn't knock it off. And he tried to make up some excuse like, oh, it's probably a student of mine that because he's a teacher. Great. Um, it's probably some student of mine that didn't like me, blah, 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 which you can make that case. But a week later, he got that phone. I was contacted again by the page and the page said something like oh you told your daddy on or something so i know it was this middle-aged man that was doing this oh man and and nothing ever happened out of it nobody ever up because i told him to show on up because my state's constitutional carry and i'll be waiting um so i mean if you want to show up on my front lawn that's fine no (laughs) yeah my family believes in the second amendment and my state's constitutional carry so yeah. you go on ahead like yeah which... so for anyone out there that's uh of the doxing nature and shit like that so so you got doxed and then so and now you're deliberately not mentioning this guy's name after he yeah. did that to you and that's the way to handle things so like you know that's just you know you can see who has their priorities straight and man yeah I, <sighs> well it's just these kind of people you don't want to give them attention anyway right. this was not I think it was two years ago because I think I made a post on my Twitter about it. So I think it was two years ago um, and nothing ever came out of it. But my position is, and I've said this on Twitter multiple times, I understand not liking people beliefs completely. Yeah. Do you think I like a dude that's communist that's teaching children in Michigan? No, he's probably a terrible, but, and he clearly is, but I think we can say that, hmm. but I'm not going to, even if I don't like you, I take huge issue with ruining anyone's livelihood over ideology that they hold. Right. So I'm not going to return fire and I wouldn't really be doxing the person he puts his name out there, but um, I'm just not going to do that. That's yeah. just not the kind of person I am. I take huge issue with anyone that doxes people. And there are people online that if you associate with someone that I know dox someone, I don't associate with you Yeah. because I'm not putting myself in that position. I've been in that position. I know people who have had people show up to their house from Antifa because they were doxed. Uh, I'm not playing that kind of game. So it's serious to me. That's a serious offense. I'm not, yeah. I'm not associating with you. It's not what I'm about. and. I warn people when I see them associating with people that I know of docs. And if you don't listen to me, I just got to be like, okay, peace out. Yeah. Do what you want to do. I'm, you know, I'm not in the business. So I'm not going to argue in, with you. If you want to associate with those people, that's fine. But I'm not going to do that because I know how scary it is. And right. it's the kind of stuff people lo- lose their jobs over. Yeah. You know, luckily, I'm in a position where that wouldn't happen to me, but, you know. Wow. So. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks yeah, for uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for articulating all that and giving your takes on the yeah. the Facebook bans and stuff like that. And you know, I'm pretty yeah. new to the internet game, so you know, I I bet you I'll get involved in some kind of drama. But uh, <laughs> you know, but you know, we'll see what happens. But you know, so I guess we'll move on to you know the other reason that uh, um I asked you on is because uh, it says on your uh, Twitter profile that it says Mises, classic rock, and cosplay in that order. And I originally wanted to talk about them in that order, but I think we're going to go in reverse order. So um, basically, you know, I have a bunch of questions that are specific about cosplay, but I know almost nothing about it other than kind of like you dress up as 
people in in fiction you and it's got a huge international following there's like conventions there's online stuff um so basically what i'm looking to do today is uh you know get educated from the ground up on cosplay i didn't even know that it was uh, a person who does cosplay is called a cosplayer which i looked that up and confirmed so um i'm sure and you know i have a listeners that are everything from you know i think 16 up to like 70 so i'm sure some of the older people have no idea what that is i mean i'm 31 i feel very old talking about (laughs) this subject uh but yeah educate us on cosplay what that is and i have some follow-up questions too but you know just go ahead (laughs) yeah sure so and it's funny that you say that because so i kind of check my twitter demographics every now and they tend to be older and men and some of them have no idea they're like what the hell is this i don't what are you doing why what is this picture because i blend everything on my twitter so i'll have all these political tweets and there'll be me in a costume and they'll be like hey you look really good but what what is this why did you dye your hair i'm confused what's going on here so you have to explain no it's cosplay and they're like what's that so cosplay is kind of a smash together word it's costume and play which I prefer cosplay because when you separate those, it sounds really weird. Mm. Um, <laughs> so it's basically the easiest way that I explain it is stuff. Oh, sorry, you cut stuff. you cut off right at the beginning of that sentence. So you said basically it's what? Oh, so basically it's um, I, the way I explain it is it's from a comic perspective, even though that's really what I do because it's a lot easier it from that so like giant comic cons like new york comic con and san diego comic con most people kind of know of that thing Mm. and it's basically a a giant convention people that write comics will be there actors from the movies will be at these conventions to sign autographs and do speeches and panels and things about the fandoms and stuff like that and those conventions happen for comics and for anime which is japanese animation um, which I can explain more too, because I'm sure people are like, what the heck is that? Yeah. Um, but basically the conventions are where people cosplay and they go. Some people make their costumes, which is totally amazing. I can't sew, so I commission all of my stuff from other artists, actually. Um, but you basically dress up as a fandom that you like, a favorite character or something like that and it's basically just a really cool way to connect to people that are fans of things that you're a fan of so you know if you're cosplaying from like the x-files or from a particular like comic book series there'll be meetups so like there's meetups of people who are all cosplaying from a particular series so you'll see like 50 spider-mans in a group taking photos because they all love spider-man so it's like a really cool way Basically to connect with people that are in the same fan fandom that you are and Mm. are fans of the same thing that you're a fan of. Uh, And it's a really cool way to make friends sort of that way through that kind of stuff. Now, there are people, this is a fairly recent new thing, probably the past six or seven years. Um, It's uh, doing it professionally. So there are professional cosplayers, which I am not. Okay. they go around and they get paid to attend conventions. And it's kind of like a for a lot of these cosplayers that have huge social media followings of like millions of people and people come to get, you know, they have prints of themselves in cosplay that they sign for people. And it's kind of like rock stars, but like yeah. for really nerdy stuff. So 
Um, that's kind of another aspect of it. But a lot of people do it because they want to make friends or they're really introverted or they just want to be someone else for a day, which is awesome. But me personally, I just like wigs. <laughs> so okay. I just like to dress up as the characters and I have a ridiculous wig collection and yeah. stuff like that. So for me, it's more just the creative aspect and making friends. But for a lot of people, it really is like, when they go to a convention and meet up with people that are fans of the same things that they are, it's really a way to connect with people that normally they wouldn't be able to connect with those. So that's kind of the purpose of it and why people do it mm. and kind of what it is. Doesn't uh, so you, you, you don't sew, so you don't make your own. And so you, uh, does it get expensive? Like you have to buy a bunch of stuff, a bunch of wigs. Yeah. <laughs> I saw you as some kind of staff, like some kind of like magic Staff, I don't know what that was. Maybe yeah. Zelda, I don't know. But uh, like, so it gets expensive. Yeah, it it can get expensive. Luckily, I'm not a big person, so the costumes are cheaper the smaller you are, uh -huh. um, usually. But it does get pretty expensive. I've done a lot of bodysuit, full bodysuit cosplay um, recently. That gets pretty expensive because I'm short, but I have really long arms, and so a lot of people actually think I'm tall, and then they meet me and. You're really short. Yes, I know. I'm just shaped like a tall person because I have a short torso. So I have to get everything custom made oh, wow. because I'm not shaped like a normal person. Mm. <laughs> so um, it can get kind of expensive. And a lot of people will just thrift and they'll kind of make their own stuff. There's a guy. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with The Walking Dead. Sure. Um, but Negan from The Walking Dead that wears like the leather jacket and just carries around the baseball bat is a really popular cosplay because you can just go thrift a leather jacket and put on some jeans and just go represent The Walking Dead and you like The Walking Dead. So, right. that's weird. so it's it's varies in seriousness and how much you want to spend or not everybody gets in costume for conventions. Some people just I have friends that kind of meet me at conventions that I have in other states. And they just walk around in plain clothes and they just enjoy other cool. people's costumes and the events. So it's not really a necessary thing. You don't have kind to. Of extra, yeah. It's an extra fun thing that some people like to do. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it reminds me like I uh, went on a couple of music tours to uh, and I was in a band that did kind of like nerdcore, like live band nerdcore oh, yeah. uh, stuff. And uh, it was a lot of things like that, like people dressed up like Mario, Mega Man, but also just fans. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's basically yeah. just like that, but yeah. on a bigger scale. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been into it? Um, so I actually got involved in politics and cosplay in the same year. So basically, that's super weird. <laughs> like that's yeah, really cool. <laughs> and it's cool, but at the same time, another thing to understand, which if you're not into like super nerdy things, you and don't attend this kind of stuff, you might not know. Let's just say that the convention scene is not exactly kind to conservatives and libertarians mm. so yeah. a lot of the friends that i've made through this i kind of have to be kind of careful and um I, that's why i don't put my twitter i mentioned earlier i don't put that on my cosplay business cards um and that's because i want them to know me first see my twitter most of the time if somebody know if they know you as a person they know you're not a crazy person and then they find out your beliefs are like, oh, okay, whatever. I don't agree, but whatever. You're a mm -hmm. nice person. So most people. <laughs> so um, I've only been doing this for, let's see. Wow. It's been a lot of years then since then. <laughs> Longer than I thought. So mm -hmm. since, since 2016, um, okay. 
I haven't attended any super huge conventions because another thing that comes with conventions is buying your ticket to yeah. the convention. And the bigger the convention is, the more expensive the ticket basically. So I do a lot of, I travel a lot throughout the Midwest to kind of mid-sized conventions that are like maybe 11 or 12,000 people, which you're like, whoa, that's mid-sized. Yeah, it gets really crazy. Um, but so I haven't attended like a huge Comic-Con in New York or San Diego yet. 2020 is going to be my year. I hope to, to attend at least five conventions. And I'm going to try to do one on the East Coast, at least one on the West Coast, and then wow. probably a few throughout the middle. Um, I got to plan out my year, though. So we'll so, see. But let me ask you something real fast before we get uh, like until we get to the next because we got a good um, we got a good question on uh, on Mixer right now. So um, okay. and I, I like what you said earlier about, um, you know, people in, in cosplay and like the you know nerd scene or whatever, not being so friendly to libertarians and conservatives. And uh, oh, uh, OK, gotcha. You cut out for a second. OK, there you go. Um, so same thing for me and music and some person. On, uh, so this person, some dude on Xbox on Mixer says, I am a Trumper. Uh, why would I care about people who dress in costumes? So why? Yeah. Why? Do, why is that a thing? It's a thing in art and people that aren't in art sometimes don't get that. And I don't understand exactly why. But what's your take on why uh, people in those scenes tend to lean left? Yeah, um, I it's always kind of baffled me when I start. I thought you would think generally creative people would be more into freedom because that's what logically makes sense if you think about it. Well, if you're a creative person and you want to create things, especially in music or cosplay or movies or whatever, you would think that you would be more towards freedom because freedom of expression thing that luckily we have in the United States. Um, I can't really explain it yeah. other than the fact that I think even if you're not familiar with cosplay, if you think about it, in movies, film, and stuff like that, the left really does culture. Mm. And so I think by extension, even if you're not really into costuming stuff like that, it's basically the same thing. It's a cultural. So mm. when certain side of the spectrum owns culture, it naturally follows that in the costuming community, it might seem weird, but a lot of people lean left. Yeah. Um, which is bizarre to me, but if you think about it just from a bigger perspective, it just by extension, sadly, a lot of people, either they don't speak out because I do have people message me that also costume fairly regularly that say, hey, I just found your Twitter. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing because I can't say stuff. Oh, man. So that just. They should. They you're should happy, say something. But it breaks your heart because you're like, what are you doing? So. It's not to say that everybody that does it is left, but there's such a culture of that that people that aren't don't even want to talk about it, especially in the European scene. Um, mm. I found uh, I have a friend that um, he's in Russia, but he j you can't talk about it. You can't. It's just so dominated by the left. And, you know, as a Trump supporter, you're probably like, well, why does that matter? Um, it doesn't really, but it my position least, is yeah. my position is it's it's easy to say, well, that kind of but I take the same position that Eric July takes on this kind of hmm. which is we have to get to people through culture. That's yeah. one of the easiest ways to connect. And we'll get to the music thing, but like for example, 
I mean, obviously you love music, so do I. It's one of the easiest ways for humans to connect to one another, no matter where you're at. You're like, hey, do you like this band? Yeah, me too. Cool. Like, let's listen to them. You don't say, wait, what political position are you? We listen to a band or go to a concert together because you just enjoy it that way. So what I would like to see is that kind of thing in all hobbies, not just music. Like you should be able to go to a convention. It doesn't matter what political affiliation you are, mm. but sadly there's just such a pervasive just tone to all of this stuff. For example, I went to a, a convention in Ohio and and it was a mid-sized convention. It was, and there's an opening ceremonies where they introduce the guests that are going to be there all weekend. And at the opening ceremonies of the convention, the, the person running the convention said something to the effect of, if anyone says something that offends you or makes you uncomfortable, let us know and we'll have security take care of it. Oh, so that's so this gross. Was, this was the first convention <laughs> that wasn't, this was basically my first convention over 1,000 that I attended. And I just sat there like, and I looked at my friends I was with. I said, oh, we got to go. So I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah, you say so something. That's was like my first hint that maybe this scene wasn't as friendly to creativity, really, as mm. they say that they are. Yeah, which is something that I want to change. So, in music, a lot of people do that through music. So for me, costuming and cosplaying, going to these conventions is hopefully when I start traveling a lot more is going to be my way to try to change that culture for the better. Yeah. So and. Like, I talked about how I'm a religion major, and I got Most people wouldn't think that makes sense, but I think we need people in all hobbies. No matter what you're involved in, you can influence people to come to conservatism, if that's what they're into, or libertarianism, or whatever your ideas are. Culture is a huge way to connect to people, whether it's music, costuming whatever you're into mm. you can bring people to your ideas through that it doesn't mean you have to run around <laughs> my friends joked that i should in 2017 at this convention i should have dressed up as a trump and walk around which would have been a disaster mm -hmm. but i wouldn't recommend doing it that funny way. though but it would be funny it would be hilarious yeah. but just <laughs> just making friends with people and then through the hobbies that you have it doesn't even have a huge thing like music or something just whatever hobby you have if club who cares just right. be like hey guys what if we read this book whatever yeah you know? yeah yeah for sure so it might seem like it's not related and it doesn't have to be like i say on my twitter listen if you don't give a crap about cosplay it's cool i don't care if you don't it's, right it's my thing if it's not your thing it's fine i have a separate facebook page for cosplay and then a separate page for my politics so i do have places where people can go where they don't have to listen so Twitter is the blended place, um, which I did on purpose. Twitter is always going to be my place. I talk about everything. I'm going to cosplay. I'm going to talk about all the topics I care about. But I do have separate areas for people because I know not everyone cares about kind of stuff. Mm. So I guess my answer would be, you know, if someone says, why should I care? Well, you don't have to. But yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just my personal way in the culture, basically. Got so you. that's why I'm I'm so... That's why, even though they're not really related for me, since it's my hobby and my beliefs, they are closely related. Right. So. Okay. And I think that's how most people really are. 
Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks for the answer. Um. So, what's the biggest? You said you you go to mostly uh you know small or mid level conve- conventions. Is there a biggest cosplay cosplay convention? Is that is just com- Comic Con people dress up a lot, or is it there's a specific is there a specific cosplay uh convention like a biggest one? Um. So usually they're just fandom conventions and fandom. That's what, okay. Yeah. There's not like a convention specifically for cosplay, the conventions are just kind of where people do this kind of thing. So um, I would say New York and San Diego Comic-Con are the biggest ones for probably like comic book stuff. And then there's um, conventions like Anime Expo, which is in California. And that's like a huge like Japanese animation stuff where people will dress in costume for which I haven't been to. And if you look at the photos, it's nuts. There's so many people there. I don't even know. Mm. I can't even fathom that because I haven't been to one that big yet. Cool. Yeah. That's the hope. Yeah. So yeah, this, basically people dress up in cosplay and stuff um, if they want to at these kinds of things. What uh, What is anime? I mean, I know what it is, but what is anime for anyone out there that uh, doesn't know what that is? So anime is just animation. It's just a Japanese style of animation. It's basically cartoons. <laughs> Mm, okay. <laughs> which sounds like well why are you an adult watching cartoons well th- let's just say there's some dark themes um, yeah. in japanese art yeah so it doesn't <laughs> have to be funny like oh you know it doesn't have to be like a goofy spider-man cartoon there's some stuff that i can't watch even though it's animated because i'm squeamish and i'm like mm. i don't want to see that that's not my thing so i watch a lot of um <laughs> adventure stuff like i mentioned before and sci-fi stuff and um just there's stuff that's just regular based on regular life called slice of life where it's just like people going to high school and this thing happens um but there's really something for everyone there's horror anime there's science fiction there's you know happy-go-lucky stuff where it's not really about anything it's just cute characters there's basically something for everyone so it's funny to me when it's understandable but i hear people oh that's for kids that's really weird that you like that but dark stuff so yeah <laughs> there's yeah. definitely some anime that i would not let kids watch because they might be traumatized so mm. wow yeah it's basically just another form of entertainment um and a lot of them not all of them are based on um manga or manga it's said both ways by depending on how um involved you are in the culture yeah and, and that I, I have no idea what that is so so manga or manga whatever yeah what what is that yeah basically those are just um the written and illustrated works. So if you okay. think of comic books, it's kind of like the easiest way to explain it to like a, in layman's terms is it's like a comic book. There's drawn pictures by artists and a story and you read through it just like you would um, a comic book basically. And mm. a lot of anime are based off of those mm. and then they, they animate them and bring them to life. So not all of them, there are things are written and they haven't been animated yet or, um, or don't have an original story and they just animated it. So it's, it, there's a lot of crossover, but they are two different things technically. But gotcha. um, yeah, okay. it's basically like the comic book and then like an animated movie, if you want to. All right. So, okay. So a few questions about um, just your actual costumes and stuff. Uh, you said it can get like a little bit expensive, but um, <laughs> first of all, um, what is the most extensive like lengths you went, went to to dress up as someone? And what are, you know, I, I don't know how, how, have you le- dressed up as uh, hundreds of things like 25, 
two hundred? Like like how many costumes are we talking here? And who? Probably um probably in the forties. Not that many. Dang. There's a Not lot that of many. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of cosplays that I will wear multiple because I like okay. them so much and I like the character. Um probably the most elaborate thing that I've done, which is so stupid. This is so this was such a dumb idea. There's a anime that I really like called Neon Genesis Evangelion. And in the anime, they wear full body suits. Okay. And they look like the rubber, which they probably are. They're probably like a latex. So it was the first cosplay I did. I didn't know anything. So I went out and I found this really expensive latex suit, which sounds really cool until you think of how the heck you're going to get into a latex suit. Because uh, the texture of your skin, you need something to help you into the so I think I used probably like a can and a half of baby powder to get into the damn thing. And <laughs> yes. And then I realized <sighs> the bad thing about latex, as opposed to like something cotton over your skin, is your skin can't regulate its temperature. Mm. So these conventions tend to be the first days usually like from four in the afternoon related. But the Saturday that I decided I put this costume on, I was in it for about seven hours and your body doesn't know if it should sweat, if it should not sweat, how the heck you get out of it to the bathroom. There's just things that I did not think of that I did not think through. And it was horrible. Yeah, It's like a so, wetsuit, like a, like a scuba, scuba yeah, gear. Or whatever. Yeah. It basically was just like a latex scuba suit, essentially. <laughs> and it was horrible. I got so many compliments because it looks the most authentic. Probably I can't even fit into it anymore. This was a years ago but it was a really interesting experience we'll just put it that way so that's like probably the most elaborate so far that probably wasn't a good idea but it was probably the most difficult thing to get in and out of that thing that all the logistics that i just didn't think of because it was my first cosplay i didn't know mm. i was like yeah this seems like a great idea and then google how to get in and out of all that business so since then i still do that character but i have a cotton suit that has a pattern on it that looks shiny. So mm. it looks shiny in photos, but gotcha. it really isn't in person, which is all I care about. And it's way more comfortable because it's like a cotton blend instead of latex, which was just, it's just ridiculous now that I'm talking about it. But that's wow. like the most complicated thing I've ever had to deal with so far, just buying something and then trying to figure out how the heck to get in and out of stuff. <laughs> What is your like uh, top five favorite? Like, yeah, who have you dressed off up by that people like maybe in the mainstream would know? I mean, I saw you had uh, X Files one, yeah, well, and yeah, you had like I, Samus from Metroid, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, so probably the most recognizable ones that aren't like super obscure anime or anything yeah. like that. Um, I have a Captain Marvel cosplay. I'm actually selling it because I'm just, I'm done with it. I want to be gone with the character. Um, that Scully, Agent Scully from the X-Files I've done, um, just like a casual cosplay of her in a t-shirt and stuff. Um, let's see, Samus from Metroid. Obviously a lot of people are probably more familiar with that. I do have a, a Princess Zelda cosplay that I haven't posted yet, but I'm going to, I swear. Um, from Breath of the Wild, which is the newest Zelda game that came out. Um, that's more recognizable. Let's see. Um, 
I do have a Poison Ivy cosplay as well from the DC comics that I haven't posted yet, which is something comic related that a lot more people know about. Um, I've done a Mary Jane Watson cosplay from Spider-Man okay. a few years ago, which is someone people probably know from movies or comics or whatever. So I have done a few a few comic cosplays or video game cosplays. I try. I have a really weird rule, though. I have played a lot of things that people know. If I haven't seen, I have I have to have either seen or played the game for me to cosplay it. Mm. It's just a weird rule I have yeah, because yeah. I don't like I don't like when people cosplay things just because they're popular and they want views. That's not my thing. I want to cosplay something that people are going to enjoy that I've enjoyed personally or stuff like that. Or one of my friends has to request it and be like, please, please do this. So <laughs> the Princess Zelda thing is one like that. Um, my friends all love the Zelda games and they were like, you, the Breath of the Wild would be great. You need to do it. You'd... And I haven't even played through Breath of the Wild, but I wanted to do that for my friends. So either my friends have requested it or I've played it or I'm very familiar with it. Those are my rules. So mm. that's why I've kind of done more obscure stuff because uh, I don't really play a ton of video games. Yeah. Um, I was kind of into World of Warcraft and that kind of stuff. And everybody played Mario and that kind of stuff as a kid. But I'm not a gamer person. I don't. I all my friends are super into video games, yeah. but I'm not super into video games. So hey, you only have so much time. Like you can't, you can't oh, be. Yeah. In the, yeah, it's yeah, it's there's so much to do, and you know, video games probably is. I don't know. It's one of the, it's one of the things you got to strike <laughs> off the list at some point. Yeah, it takes up so much time. You play like RPGs yeah. and shit. Yeah. Yeah, uh, World of Warcraft is a struggle. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. So when is your do you when's the next convention you're going to? This soon? You said five this no, year or that is, is that next year? I, next year. Okay. So 2020. Um, I just have way too much stuff going on this year with personal life stuff, which I love to travel and stuff like that. So I just gotta set that aside for like half a year and then I can start traveling again. So um, I'm hopefully I just went to the last one I'm going to go to. Um for the year, which was in early May. So I won't be going to any more until 2020. And I hope to do one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, and a few in the Midwest, which um, if anyone is interested in that, I always post, I make an event on my cosplay Facebook page when I'm gonna be at a, at a convention actually, um, so people know where I'm gonna be. Cause I do have people that are like, come to this one. I'm like, if that's in Indiana, I don't, I don't really want to go there. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. if people want to, I mean, you can always request people to come to places. There's a lot of places that I can drive to, especially in the Midwest mm. within like eight or 10 hours that, cause I hate to fly, but um, yeah. that I'm totally cool with going to, but I definitely want to get to some bigger ones um, like New York comic con or anime expo. Like I was talking about in California, cause a lot of people are at those. So it's interesting you say that about driving eight to ten hours. I'm from uh, I'm from Michigan originally, and that's one of the things I, I noticed out when I moved to DC to the, the East Coast is that in Michigan in the Midwest and stuff, it's like eight to ten hours. That's like you do drive that like all day. Yeah. And out here, uh -huh. people are like four hours. I'm taking a flight. I'm like, what? Like road trips are fun. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. I guess I don't know. And it's funny. The funnier thing about that is the Midwest you drive it, and it all looks the same too. Yeah. 
So I, I have a feeling these people on the coast would just die if they had to drive eight hours to Ohio or something like that, or, or Michigan or anything like that. They would just not even know what to do with themselves. And for me, it's like, whatever, I like driving. What's wrong with driving? Mm. Like, maybe it's just a Midwestern culture. Yeah, thing. maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, once you get to 14 or 15, then it gets long. But, you know, eight yeah. hours, shit. Like, you know, I've done, I have done, my family's done 12, mm. or 12 or 13 to South Dakota once. That was kind of brutal. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. Sweet. Well, thanks for the education on that. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know anything about it. So I definitely uh, invite people to check out your pages and stuff like that. And uh, I'll, I'll keep an eye on it. I just, uh, I'm very fast because it's, it's very, very foreign to me. You know, I've been to those nerdcore yeah. things. I used to be into like uh, when I was younger, like professional wrestling and stuff like that. But it's, it's you oh, know, yeah. the, the, it's what's amazing to me is um, these subcultures that aren't part of the mainstream. They have millions of people that are into it uh, and worldwide, you know, many, many millions. And it, it it's both a comment on how big the mainstream is. And also, like, there's these little scenes everywhere that, you know, that, you know, they've done their own terms, their own, like, gangs, their, <laughs> their yeah. own symbols. Like, yeah, they got their crews, their cliques. And I don't know, it's fascinating. <laughs> is there anything else you want to tell us about cosplay or anything else that we're missing that's like uh, pillars of that that scene? Um, not really. I just, if you're, all I have to say is if you're in like super into a TV show, there's probably a convention because I just found out about an X-Files convention that I did not even know existed. And now I'm really mad because I missed it for this year. <laughs> but if you're super into a TV show, there's probably a convention that people for it, which mm. is craziness. But so if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, that sounds kind of cool or kind of weird. And I want to go check it out. There's probably a convention for something that you're interested in. Because there's a convention for almost everything. It's actually, like you said, there's so many groups and offshoots of things. It's crazy. Cool. All right. So actually, I think, you know, we plan to talk a couple more things, but I think we're going to wrap up pretty soon. And uh, I'd love to get you back on and talk about classic rock and more liberty and stuff like that. But I feel like, you know, I try to keep it to about 90 minutes and, you know, we've been on for, uh, you know, 80 or something like that. And so next time you come on, if you're willing to, you know, we'll talk about Mises and classic rock music and stuff like that. But, uh, um, I don't know, like that education on cosplay is cool. And uh, I just have one or two more questions if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Sweet. So, um, you know, so I, I, you, you mentioned your, um, I, I think I'm a little confused about this or something. You mentioned you had a, a YouTube channel, but I've also seen posts lately that you're either starting a new one or you're going to start live streaming. What's your deal on your YouTube channel and what are your plans for that? Yeah. So I've had a YouTube channel existed for a few years which is mac and liberty it's m-a-c-k like mac and cheese it's really lame um but um i started originally i said i'm gonna make a video a week it's gonna be great and then like i talked about earlier i realized voiceover videos are easier so i do probably i think the most recent video that i posted was a few months ago so i still plan to make topical videos whenever um someone is like, hey, what do you think about this topic? I'll make a video. But uh, starting next year, I'm going to probably try to start doing at least monthly live streams. Mm. It's something that I've done before on Twitter, and people seem to really like Q&As. Like, yeah. we have a live chat right now. Uh -huh. People really actually like to interact with the people that they're watching. So, And I just find it's a lot easier to talk about ideas when you're just in the moment, and you can really get reactions from people and actual questions that they have. Because a lot of times I'll post a video, I'll be like, yes, I covered everything. There's no possible questions people could have. And so comment, hey, you mentioned this, but what does that mean? Or what about this? So I think doing live streams at least once a month on my channel 
will be a good way to to actually get people involved and have like a small community over on YouTube. Mm. So I'm still going to be posting videos every 2020 is basically going to be the year where I really start buckling down on content creation and cool. actually start being consistent with it and stuff like that. So, I mean, if people want to subscribe, that's cool. There's people on my Twitter like, hey, when are you making that video? Mm. Go. So, um, it's you something say that when, I kind of just... Sorry, you caught out. You said, when are you making that video? Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay, God. Yeah. Sorry, just cut uh, out. Yeah, my bad. You're fine. Um, yeah, so for now, it's not going to be a consistent thing, but um, it's going to eventually be a place where I want to kind of create a small community, kind of like what I have on Twitter where I can actually talk to people. Because it's a lot easier to do a YouTube live stream or stream on another site than it is Twitter. I'm just, yeah, I'm not really a fan of the Periscope thing. Right. So yeah, I like yeah. to have kind of my own space where I can send people where they know they can turn on notifications or something where they know I'm always going to be streaming or something like that. Mm. So Cool. Nice. So I think that's probably the only thing. I mean, I know I linked your Facebook and your Twitter in the description, and um, I, I'll link your uh, your YouTube page as well, and people out there should definitely check out those live streams and ask some questions in the chat and I don't know. It's really cool. I'll subscribe to your channel. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. All right. So is there anything else you want to tell people or you want to plug your, uh, your, your work one more time or you said you don't have a blog anymore, correct? No. So I basically, I just have the cosplay Facebook page, the Twitter and actually Twitter is probably the best place to send people. Um, because my pinned tweet is everywhere you can find me on social media, both of my Facebook pages, my YouTube, everything's in that pinned tweet on at the top of my Twitter. Okay. So people can pretty much find all the information there. I have a business email and all that good stuff too. So. All right. Sounds good. All right, sweet. It was really, really cool to talk to you today. That was pretty fascinating. Uh, I'm going to look, listen back to this, take some notes, you know, other people can do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Yeah, it was great talking to you. Sweet. All right. Thanks for coming out in the morning. Uh, let me uh, make sure we didn't miss any anything from the chat. Yep, we're out of here. All right. Thank you so much. Um, that's all we got, everybody. Thank you for everyone that checked out Call Me Ignorant today and all the ones that checked us out after today. You can find this uploaded to YouTube, BitChute, and FreedomScoop.com as a video and to Apple, Spotify, and Google Play and Podbean as a podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at IgnoramusSteve or send me an email at StephenIgnoramus at gmail.com. If you feel like supporting the show, you can send me some crypto, donate some lino points on DLive, send me a tip, paypal.me slash StephenIgnoramus. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. My guest today was Mackenzie, also known as Kenzie Puff. You can find her information in the show description. Have a fantastic day, everybody. Go inform yourselves.